Hello again. This is Nick Walker, creator of Echoes of Exeser and the voice of Claude Von Der. Welcome to the Season 2 finale. Season 3 should debut sometime around March 2020. Check the Echoes of Exeser Facebook page for more updates. Also, check out my Patreon page for Elderblade Productions. If you haven't already, consider becoming a patron. You'll have early access to bonus episodes set in the world of Exeser and beyond. The first couple of episodes of Kin of the Spider are up there now. That story is set sometime after the events of this podcast, and focuses on a Draylish human hybrid named Kalian. In addition, I'm working on adapting an old science fiction story of mine, Zenith, into an audio drama. It's set in a post-apocalyptic world, where a young mechanic named Jennifer joins a group of freedom fighters to rebel against a cybernetics company that controls the city of Horizon. Look for episodes of that to start coming this winter. As with last season, I'd like to thank some people who helped make these characters and this story possible. Thanks to Heidi Walker, Brent Banneke, Tina Skoletsky, Alex Kump, Aaron Postma, and Kaylee Ayler for their help in creating the Miraculous Four and the Salamanders. And as always, thanks to everyone who has listened this far and given your support. I hope you've enjoyed this season as much as I have, and I'm very excited to see what's in store for Von Der in Season 3. For now... I give you the season two finale of Echoes of Exeser. Nix. Noun. A water sprite. Exclamation. To express denial or refusal. To signal or warn that a person in authority is approaching. Verb. To put an end to something. From Elderblade Productions, this is Echoes of Exorcism, Episode 13, Face the Horizon. my leg. Silently, he wrapped my gash, using what little remained of my shirt. We were taking our time. No one came to check on us. They knew we had nowhere else to go. I watched my friend work. Not once did he meet my eyes. I saw a growing density in his body as if a thousand invisible hooks were dragging him to the floor. He wrapped my wound tighter and tighter, to the point where it was painful. I grunted, pulling away. Sorry, I murmured. Just hurts a bit. Nix went still, his head low. Then he tied off the bandage with a fierce tug. My leg lit up, and I yanked it back. Nix got up, retreating to the other side of the room. That's when it dawned on me. What had been happening 
ever since he laid eyes on my true face. They're returning, I realized dreadfully. The memories. You... You sold me out. Nix's fingers curled up into his hair. You led that awful woman to my home. To my family. I made a wish unto a fountain. Like a parasite, the song found its way into my mind. Words failed me. I looked at my friend. Could I even call him that anymore? What was he to me now? My victim? A ghost from my past sent to haunt me? I thought I'd understood the gravity of my failure. It wasn't until now, though, that I saw what I'd done. Laying eyes on this broken man, watching his scarecrow-like body quiver with burgeoning rage, knowing that I did this to him, I'm sorry, I said softly. It wasn't enough. I could say it over and over and over again until the pit swallowed us all. It would never be enough. I'm so sorry, Nix. I tried. I'm trying to fix it. Aye, and a right fine job you've done at that. Nix rounded on me, red-faced and teeth bared. He shoved me hard. I tripped over one of the bathtubs behind me tumbling down and landing with my back pressed against the cool stone wall. He towered over me, fists clenched. You filthy, scorching coward. You let her slaughter them. Then you brought them back to life so she can do it all over again. He struck me in the jaw. A scarlet stream flung out of my mouth. The stream caught his other fists as it landed. As it did the next strike, and the one after that, How'd you do it? He demanded between blows. Eh? Some demon's magic? Some trick of that trailish monster? To what do we owe the pleasure? I made no effort to stop him. I let his judgment wash over me. Until my head was fuzzy, and my lips began to swell. Nix! I slurred. We can still... <coughs> save them... <coughs> No, we won't be doing anything. Nix's hands clamped down on my throat. My airflow stopped. I felt my throbbing pulse begin to weaken. His eyes met mine, so close I could see the bloodshot veins even in the dark. I'll save my family. You're going to die down here, alone, in the cold and the dark, where you belong. Again. I made no move to defend myself. I said nothing. I just stared back at him. My eyes started to glisten. Nix kept up the pressure. I felt my consciousness begin to slip. Felt my lungs heave for sustenance. This is right, I thought fleetingly. It should have always been this way. The hatch above swung open. Light drenched us. It blinded Nix, forcing him to release me. I doubled over, gasping, coughing, clutching my throat. I heard boots clanging on the ladder's rungs. Squinting up, I saw the silhouette of two men descending. 
Drelish, armed and armored. Touching down, they immediately drew their longswords and aimed them on us. Come along, boys, hissed one with glowing blue eyes. Much as she's enjoying this, boss doesn't want you to miss the main event. Nix and I exchanged glances. Murder still burned in his eyes. He knew we were outmatched, though, and the thought of seeing his family again was too much to ignore. I struggled to my feet. The guards gave me no time, wrenching me by the arm towards the ladder. I gripped the rungs, taking them shakily one by one. I had postponed death once again, albeit by a few moments. But it still felt like the afterlife. My friendship was buried, my cause rotting. And now, I moved towards the light, ready to face my final judgment. Ocean blue covered the horizon. The hatch led to a rocky plateau, jutting out from a massive cliffside. Hundreds of feet below was the shoreline, wild waves assaulting white sand. A galleon idled near the beach, flying the banners of King Jinatas. The cliff's peak was hundreds of feet above. A thunderous waterfall crashed down from the peak. The water bounced off several plateaus, including ours. A rapid river raced past us. It was the length of a battleship, stuck about by piercing stone teeth. About fifty feet away, the falls spilled out again, into the ocean. A haze of mist obscured our vision. Squinting, I could make out a ramshackle series of wooden planks balancing on the flat rocks forming a bridge across the river to the plateau's opposite end. There, flanked by two more Draylish guards, was a silhouette with bull-like horns. The Inquisitor. Kneeling at her feet were two figures, a woman and a child. There was the glint of something long and sharp by their throats. Zara! Nick screamed. Leona! Nix! Zara screamed back, attempting to move. Nix, I... Zara buckled as the Inquisitor kicked out her legs. Leona began to cry as the Inquisitor held her sword to Zara's throat. Nix started towards the planks, but halted as one of our guards stuck their blade into his back. Finally, roared the Inquisitor. I was getting bored. Kalsana... I cried out. Your fight is with us, Nix and I. I beg you, let his family go. I knew what she would say. I knew Nix would take my words as further betrayal. There was no strategy behind my words, just blind desperation. Sure enough, my words were met with laughter. <laughs> no, my dear Rowan, I think not. After all, what other prize would suffice for our next little game? At her signal, the guard behind Nix shoved him forward towards the plank. Nix turned around, and the guard offered up his longsword. 
Nix looked at him quizzically. Across the river, the Inquisitor left Zara and Leona in the care of the other guards. She approached the bridge, sword still in hand. A contest, she declared, against me, one of you at a time, to the death. Should one of you fall, one of them will die with you. She brandished her sword back at Zara and Leona. Should you win, you and the survivors will walk free. No more magic tricks, no more hiding in the shadows. Let's see once and for all whether fate can be cheated. Nyx looked back at me. For a moment, fear and confusion overtook his anger. I could almost see his thoughts. Is she insane? A sword fight? In our condition? On rail-thin planks across a river? But where there was fear, I also saw resolution. Nix was not about to let his chance slip, however slim it was. He took the guard's longsword, testing the heft and balance in his hands. Taking a few deep, steadying breaths, he stepped out onto the first plank. It was barely wide enough for both his feet. The plank wobbled slightly under his weight. Water lapped at his ankles from mere inches below. Struggling to balance, Nyx took one ginger step at a time towards the Inquisitor. His opponent stepped nimbly atop the first plank on her end. She strode from plank to plank like it was second nature. She was already in the center of the river before Nyx had gotten a quarter of the way across. As he met her, the Inquisitor locked eyes with me through the watery mist. I could read her thoughts too. You're going to watch it happen, her eyes said, all over again. I stood, powerless, shaking. I wanted to vomit. If I dared move, they would surely kill them all. There was nothing I could do, no power I could call on. All I could do was watch. Nix's blade touched the Inquisitor's. Her scarlet eyes blazed at him, as did her smile. All around us, the waves bellowed, like the crowd of a coliseum, spoiling for blood. Nyx struck first. His blade flashed, arcing over his head and cutting to his foe's right leg. It was parried instantly. The Inquisitor returned it with a Moulinet strike to Nyx's head. Nyx parried just in time but vaulted backwards to do it. His foot slipped off the plank and he stumbled, just barely catching himself. The Inquisitor could have finished it then, but she held off. It was a game to her, and she wasn't finished having fun. Nick steadied himself. Shaken but determined, he spun his blade into a feint, then pulled back in preparation for a thrust. Cat-like, the Inquisitor hopped out of range, then smacked his blade away with a twirl of hers. What came next was a salvo of swift cuts to either side. They came so fast, Nyx barely caught one before the next had begun. I could see she was trading impact for swiftness. She means to confuse him, I realized. 
get him frazzled, catch him off guard. As their deadly dance continued, I noticed something. The Inquisitor was balancing on the balls of her feet with each strike. Her right foot, however, twitched back on its heel, like she was preparing to faint backwards. I noticed that her left hand stayed behind her, tensed at the ready. She's getting ready to catch herself. I recalled a maneuver, common among Draelish sword fighters during the war. The fighter would fall backwards, catch themselves with their off hand. Then they would spin around and surprise their foe with a high kick. Suddenly, the Inquisitor broke her advance. Sure enough, she threw herself backward. Guard your head! I shouted. Thankfully, Nyx took my advice. His free arm shot up, just as Kalsana's legs spun around and launched for the side of his face. He deflected the blow and countered with a downward slash. Confused, the Inquisitor scrambled to evade. She was too slow, and his strike bit into her upper thigh. Immediately, the guard behind me clasped his hand over my mouth. Another word and they're all dead, he murmured. That was stupid, I chided myself. I was risking all our safety by interfering. I'd bought Nick some time, but I knew it wasn't enough. Not by a long shot. Kalsana stood up, shaking off the cut. It didn't look deep enough to slow her down. Chuckling, she held her blade at on guard again. This time, her body was poised, balanced, taut, ready to deal damage. She was done playing. Emboldened by drawing first blood, Nyx attacked again. Flourishing out of on guard, Nyx vaulted forward with an upward slash. Kalsana bent backwards to dodge. She gave a horizontal slash. Nyx parried. They pressed their edges. The two blades shrieked as they ran up and down each other. Kalsana twisted her blade around, enveloping Nyx's. She stepped forward, shoving Nyx back with her shoulder. Nyx stumbled again, dropping to his knees. Drawing back, the Inquisitor brought her sword high and thrust the point down towards Nyx. With a fierce cry, Nyx leaped back, just in time for the blade to bury its point deep into the plank. Hopping to his feet, Nyx smiled. I could see why. The blade was too deeply lodged in the wood for her to retrieve it quickly. Amazingly, her attack had left her wide open. He's got her, I thought. Victoriously, Nyx swung his blade up over his head. He was preparing to slash his opponent's throat. His blade began its arc. When the Inquisitor kicked her stuck sword with all her strength, the sword cranked sideways, and the plank split. Wood spewed in all directions. Nyx fell mid-attack, tumbling into the rapids. I screamed, my voice muffled by the guard's hand. Zara and Leona screamed too. The river tore their husband and father towards the fall's edge. Desperately, Nyx gripped the edge of a protruding stone. The water buffeted him, thrashing his body like a dog with a chew toy. No! I screamed in my mind. My elbow shot back into the stomach of the guard behind me. It landed on his armor, shooting pain straight at my arm. 
The guard stumbled, and I bit the hand over my mouth. He released, and I spun around, slamming my hand into his throat. The guard fell over, and I seized the moment. I sprinted for the river, faster than I'd ever run before. Nix caught the sight of me running. He gripped the rock tighter, but I could see his fingers slipping. I scanned for anything I could use to my advantage. There were a few flat rocks sticking up inside the river. It would be a tricky jump, but I could make it. On the side of the river was a stick. Not terribly long, but sturdy enough. I could use it to pull him in. I was closing in on the river's edge. Hold on, Nix, I pleaded. God damn it, just hold on for another... An errant wave struck Nix in the face. He let go. Time melted. I jumped for him. I was nowhere near him, but I did anyway. I fell to the ground as I watched the water carry him over the side. If he screamed, I couldn't hear it over the sound of the river. My chest struck the hard dirt, and I let out a guttural cry. Nix, my friend, my victim, my ghost, fell to his death. Above the river's roar, I heard cries from the other side. Zara and Leona, inconsolable. Accompanying them were cheers from the Inquisitor's men. I watched in abject fury as the bull-horned monster took a brazen bow. Two hands gripped my shoulders. The guards hauled me to my feet. One held me still, while the other slammed their fist into my stomach. Had I anything in my belly, I would have vomited. They tossed me forward, towards the Inquisitor. They were hesitant to give me a sword, unsurprising, given my current state. Come now, Rowan, called the Inquisitor. That's hardly sporting of you. Rules are rules, after all. Speaking of which... Kalsana turned to Zara and Leona. Her longsword bobbed back and forth between them. Eventually it landed, right atop Leona's head. What say you, little whisper? Kalsana declared with menace. Want to see your papa again? Zara threw herself in front of Leona. The guards pulled her away. She gripped Leona's hands tightly. The Inquisitor smacked Zara's hands away with her sword. Zara released, clawing like an animal against the guard's grasp, prompting one of them to train their longsword at her throat. Leona tried to crawl away, but her back hit a tall rock behind her. The Inquisitor's sword rose, gleaming in the midday sun. The gleam blinded me, and just for a moment I shut my eyes. I heard a scream, followed by a deafening thunderclap. A wave of force bowled over me. I landed on my back. Scrambling up, I saw the guards watching me had been knocked clear off their feet. The same had happened on the other side. Zara, the two guards, even the Inquisitor. The only one left sitting upright was Leona. Something shiny glinted on her hand. 
burst out laughing when I recognized the sonic ring on her thumb. Freed of the guard's grip, Zara leapt to her feet. A guard's fallen longsword lay on the ground next to her. Snatching it, she drove it deep into the nearest guard's chest. He died with a pitiful squeal. Zara pulled the sword out, training it on the Inquisitor. Now it's a scorching game, she spat. Zara charged at the Inquisitor. The Inquisitor rolled towards her blade, grabbing it just in time to parry Zara's furious swing. By now the second guard was getting to his feet, drawing his sword as well. Leona hid behind the rock, fiddling with the sonic ring. That first blast was a fluke, I realized. She doesn't know how to use it. I wasted no time. Before my guards could recover, I claimed the last sword. I took off for the plank bridge. I was fast and nimble. Urgency and the element of surprise fueled my movements. This is it, I thought, my one chance to save them. I came to the gap in the bridge where Nyx fell. I said a mental prayer for forgiveness as I jumped over it. I winced. The pain in my leg was still potent. My jump was not as true as expected. I landed on the nearest edge of the next plank. It tilted, and the river threatened to consume it. Adrenaline took over, and I bolted up and over the plank. I stumbled onto the next one, falling onto my knees. Looking up, I saw I had about a quarter of the river left to traverse. Meanwhile, Zara was struggling to hold her own. She had righteous rage on her side, but the Inquisitor was battle-hardened and still fresh. She deflected Zara's attacks easily. It seemed she was hesitant to attack, though. Her face was guarded, scrutinizing. Hedging her bets, I wondered. It was possible she didn't know what had caused the sonic blast. For all she knew, either of them could have another trick up their sleeve. That uncertainty bought them some time, but not much. Behind Zara, the remaining guard had regained his bearings. Picking himself up, the guard drew his longsword and advanced towards her. I stood up and finished crossing the river. Touching down on ground once more, I barreled towards the scene. The guard had been so focused on Zara, he hadn't even noticed me approaching. He was nearly within range of Zara when I stepped in between them. The surprise made him flinch. I seized that opportunity, delivering a swift slash to his throat. Like a ruined tower, he crumbled. I turned my attention to the Inquisitor. Get the ring, I said to Zara. I'll hold her off. Zara retreated, tending to her daughter. I locked eyes with the Inquisitor. Frustration cast over her face. It lasted only a moment, but it was ever so sweet. Soon it was replaced with a mask of condescension. Got some fight left in you after all, she purred. It's over, Kalsana. You insult me. The Inquisitor kicked up her heel. In one swift, fluid motion, I saw her offhand reach down and pull something from the heel of her boot. She flung it. Metal sang past my ear, and a moment later I heard Zara wail. A small knife was now buried in her shoulder. 
It distracted me just long enough to miss the Inquisitor launching for me head-on. I vaulted back, struggling to parry her onslaught of cuts. With each slash, her sword moved like the wind, and landed with the force of a tidal wave. Finally, I repelled her blade, and prepared for a thrust. The Inquisitor fell backwards again. What I'd caught for Nyx, I missed now. Kalsana's boot rocketed into my jaw. I felt my jaw break, as I flipped into the air and landed on the ground. The whole world spun around me. My head felt heavy. All the momentum I'd felt before had been blasted out of me by that strike. I just wanted to close my eyes. But then I saw the Inquisitor turning for Zara, closing the few precious feet between them, raising her blade. My hands found a nearby stone. I hurled it. It struck the Inquisitor square in the back. It bought me just enough time to wrench myself to my feet. Whirling my blade in a double Molinet, I took a running jump and slashed down the back of her head. The Inquisitor spun around and parried just in time. I pressed my strike, attempting to break her parry and split open her head. Grinning with bloodlust, Kalsana brought her head back and slammed it forward. Her piercing horns lanced into my forehead. I cried out, pulling back. Blood trickled into my eyes. I couldn't see. My hands fumbled, trying to wipe the blood away. A boot landed in my stomach. I doubled over. A second boot struck my face, hurling me to the side. I stayed on my feet, but only barely. Forcing my eyes to open, I saw the Inquisitor clawing for me with her sword. I tried to parry, but my hands were slippery with blood. Her blade knocked mine to the ground. Kalsana spun around, ready to slice my head clean off. She was interrupted by a war cry from behind. Zara leapt atop Kalsana's back. In Zara's hands was the knife that struck her shoulder. Over and over again, Zara drove the knife into the Inquisitor's back. One, two, three, four, five times. Gritting her teeth, the Inquisitor reached back with her offhand. Her black claws sank into Zara's shoulder like fish hooks. Zara grunted, trying to resist the pain and continue her assault. But it was not enough. With a mighty yell, the Inquisitor lurched forward and flung her off. Zara landed at my feet, just as I had recovered my sword. Sensing weakness, the Inquisitor moved to strike again, only to be interrupted by another short blast of sonic force. It was a more focused blast this time. It missed her by a hair, but it was enough to break her focus. Leona stood behind Kalsana, carrying Zara's sword. Here, Mama, she said. Take it, quick! The Inquisitor rounded on Leona, smacking her hard with the back of her fist. Leona fell to the ground, unconscious. Zara's sword laid at her daughter's feet. Furious, Zara rolled behind the Inquisitor and seized the sword. With an animalistic roar, Zara slashed upward. Her blade struck the Inquisitor in the mouth, splitting her lip. Kalsana reeled back, clasping a hand over her gushing mouth. For a moment, no one moved. 
we spent a few excruciating seconds sitting in our pain, our tiredness, gasping, quivering, moaning. The three of us formed a tableau of exhaustion, a still life of agony and rage. Zara, the Inquisitor, and I stood in a triangle, equidistant from one another. Leona lay on the ground behind her mother. She appeared to be breathing still, thank the gods. The sonic ring was still on her thumb. If I could just buy a few seconds to get it off of her, I thought. Motion from the other side of the river caught my eye. Unable to join the fight, the remaining two guards stood at the plateau's edge. They were waving and yelling, trying to hail the galleon below. They looked anxious. Not because of us, but something that was happening on the sea. There was no time to look, though, as the Inquisitor began to utter a low, menacing laugh. She let her hand fall to her side. Through her split, scarlet geyser of a mouth, she flashed a row of pointed, ruby-red teeth. <laughs> well done, she said, her words garbled and thick. Well done, Rowan. Your father would be proud. Don't you dare talk about my father. Why? Why not, Rowan? A deal is a deal. I told you. You helped me get revenge, and I set him free. I... I know where he is, Rowan. Like an incantation, her words cast images in my mind. My father, Gareth of Shalecross, chained and bleeding in the Inquisitor's prison. The last place I remembered seeing him. The thought gave me pause. The idea of seeing him again, I shook it off. You're lying. Oh no. No, no. He is alive, Rowan. The Inquisitor began to laugh harder. Blood rained down her mouth onto her clothes. She seemed almost deranged, drunk with power and bloodlust. For now, that is. But see, you went and scorched it all up, Rowan. You broke the deal. So here's what I'm going to do. After I'm finished with you, I'm going to get on that ship out there. I'm going to find him, and I'm going to tear him apart piece by piece. But before I let him die, I'm going to make sure he knows you, who you really were when the words failed. Not Claude Von Der. Not some hero of the Ebon Mist, no. Just a sniveling little coward. 
willing to let his best friend die so he could save his own skin. Ah! The scream punched through my mouth as I threw myself at her. Leaping out of the way, the Inquisitor flung another knife at Zara. This one landed straight in her stomach. Zara collapsed, clutching her gut. Cackling, the Inquisitor readied her blade at me. Come, Rowan. Destiny calls. Sparks flew as my blade skid off hers. Caution and technique were in the wind now. I fought like a beast. I didn't want to beat her. I wanted to rend and tear. I wanted carnage. The plateau sang with echoes of metal on metal. The Inquisitor retreated with my every strike. She stumbled. Her foot backed into the corpse of her guard. I pressed the advantage, thrusting forward and driving the point of my blade into her offhand arm. Instead of recoiling, she gripped my blade and pushed it in deeper, forcing me closer. Releasing her sword, she raked at my face with her claws. I released my blade and clutched my face. A moment later, I was falling. The Inquisitor tackled me. We fell together, rolling around in the dirt. She tore into me with both her clawed hands. She headbutted me again, this time using her horns to gore my stomach. I tried to fight her off, but she was too strong. I was losing blood, losing consciousness. I was losing. Amidst the sound of tearing flesh, labored breath, and wounded barks, I heard singing. I stared up at the Inquisitor. Blood dripping and half mad, she sang. I made a wish unto a fountain. <laughs> I prayed that you'd return to me. Return to me. Return to me. All at once, it stopped. The Inquisitor's maniacal expression slipped into blankness. She grew heavy and perfectly still. Above us, I saw Zara looming over the Inquisitor's back. Her longsword was buried deep between the Inquisitor's shoulder blades. Zara aided me in pushing Kalsana off my body. Rolling her onto her side, I met the Inquisitor's eyes one last time, watched as her blood-red eyes lost their glow. My father, I grunted. Where, where is my father? Where light dies and days are dire. Her voice was barely a whisper. Void of menace, it sounded almost like a poem. I could not tell whether the Inquisitor was speaking to me or herself. Where the gentlefolk stalk, and the groom prepares his vows. Enough with riddles, I spat. Give me a location, a name, coordinates, anything. Tell me, gods damn you! Is this what you felt, father? The Inquisitor's eyes were almost black now. Is this 
all it is. Coldness. And... A final breath took the Inquisitor out of this world forever. I rolled onto my back. Zara fell by my side. I looked at the gash in her stomach, the deep cuts on her shoulders. Like me, she was bleeding out. I didn't know what to do. There were no medical supplies anywhere on this plateau. Perhaps down in the prison. Though even if I could find the strength to cross the river, there was no chance I would be able to handle the guards on the other side. What's more, they were calling for reinforcements. We had no means of escape. Tears streamed down my face as the reality crushed me like a boulder. I stared up at the blue sky above, pleading with the heavens for answers. It was all for nothing, I thought. Nix is dead, and soon Zara and Leona will be too. The Inquisitor was right. I failed. As I searched the sky, I noticed a shadow passing overhead. A winged silhouette. A condor, perhaps? We seemed to be high up enough in the mountains for it. But no. This was too large. And it looked like it was carrying something just as large. The serenity of the falls in the ocean were interrupted by the sound of cannon fire. Across the river, one of the guards shouted, We're under attack! By the bloody five, where did they come from? Bracing myself on a nearby stone, I lifted myself up just enough to see beyond the plateau. Where before there'd been just the Inquisitor's galleon, there was now another ship firing on them. It took me a moment to recognize it. The mast and the hull were different from when I last saw it in Sunscape. But then I saw the flag. A red-brown flag with a white salamander. The Maroon Lagoon. Vondaire! A voice from above echoed. I watched, amazed, as a drailish man in foppish yellow clothes hailed me from the sky. He was being carried by an all-too-familiar Kikte woman, with white wings and cunning blue eyes. Together, they dove down to meet us on the plateau. Merriweather's wings flapped as they neared, buffeting us with wind as they touched down. Vondaire! It is I, Fitzcarl! Fitzcarl Danimir waved excitedly at me. You remember? Feared, formidable foe of the... He knows who you are, Fitz, Merriweather snapped. Can't you see he's wounded? Oh, goodness me, you're right. Fitz knelt down and inspected our wounds. His eyes caught sight of the corpses around us. I'll assume you lot weren't here on vacation then, he chortled. Are all your friends complete idiots, Vondaire? Zara asked. I ignored the question, focusing on the salamanders. What are you doing here? We came looking for Nix, explained Merriweather. He got nabbed off the docks in Oryusk about a week ago. The trail led us here. Have you seen him? 
Zara averted her gaze. I fell silent. Merriweather read the meaning behind our silence. Oh. Oh no, she said. Our shared grief was interrupted by the sound of something volleying towards us. Fitz and Merriweather ducked for cover. A cannonball struck the cliffside, sending rock debris raining down. The debris struck the guards on the other side of the plateau, crushing them. The entire plateau rumbled so much I thought it would break apart. We've got to get you out of here, Merriweather said. There's a sick bay on our ship. We can get you all treated. I can't carry everyone at once, though. And with those ne'er-do-wells at work, you'll scarcely survive more than a couple trips, Fitz added. Take them first, I said, gesturing to Zara and Leona. The girl has a ring. It's Alzarian, makes sonic attacks. Use it to protect herself in the air. Zara did not protest. Picking up Leona, she pulled the ring off her thumb and handed it to Merriweather. The Kikte wrapped her arms around them both. Hold on tight, she said, and with a few strong beats of her wings, they were airborne. Fitz and I watched them go. My eyes began to grow heavy. I laid back, shutting my eyes. In the distance, I heard a sonic thum erupt, followed by the cries of sailors. I hoped the right ones were on the receiving end. Fitz noticed I was fading. He patted my face. Vonder, are you all right? Fitz, if I don't make it, keep them safe. You're going to make it, mate. You're one of us. Honorary Salamander. Fitz. Darkness's embrace crept up again. My own words felt foreign as though they came from someone else. It's my fault. Keep them safe. For Nix. For Nix. With the cacophony of war to serenade me, my battered body surrendered to sleep. It felt like I'd been asleep for a lifetime. When I awoke, it was to the motion of rocking and the sound of waves against hardwood hull. I was in a bed, in a room filled with vials and tonics, tongs and cleavers. It was the sick bay of a ship, presumably the lagoon. I felt bandages on my face and body. To my side, I saw another person in a bed next to mine. Zara. She was awake, sitting upright and looking at me with a thin smile. Welcome back, she said simply. I tried to sit up, but the pain from, well, everywhere, stopped me. Groaning, I settled for simply turning my head in her direction. How long? About two days. They were afraid you were too far gone for a while, but yesterday you started to pull through. What? 
what happened with the battle. Zara broke her gaze, staring off into the middle distance as she recalled. It was a hard fight. The ship took a beating, and your friends lost some of their crew. But we managed to get away. We're sailing for Ghost Haven right now. Apparently it's a good place to hide until things die down. Leona? Above deck. A rogue smile stole across Zara's lips. She's excited to finally be on a real pirate ship. She might have convinced the captain to rename it the Apple Gun. We shared a laugh together. Both of us were immediately punished by twinges of pain. We grunted, then chuckled at our shared misery. Then, the laughter died down. The elephant in the room smothered us. Zara was the first to address it. They couldn't find Nix's body. There wasn't time. It was my turn to break my gaze. I stared at the oil lantern, hanging on the sconce by the door. Tried to get lost in the dancing flames. I gathered my thoughts. Zara, I have no excuse for what I've done. For the anguish I've put you through. You and your daughter, Vondere. Zara's voice was quiet, but steady. Tears welled in her eyes, but she forced herself to look at me. What she said next, I had the feeling she'd spent the last two days preparing to say. I... I don't know what to do about you. On the one hand, I can't forgive you for this. What you've done, it's not in the realm of forgiveness. Nick's dead. My daughter attacked. My family is broken forever because of you. And yet... Zara's eyes flicked upward in wonderment. And yet, because of you, I still have a family. My daughter is alive again. And I'm alive to watch her grow. You... You nearly died protecting us. You would have given your life in a heartbeat to save Nyx, despite what he knew. I can't forgive you, but I do thank you, Von Der, from the bottom of my heart, for your efforts, and for what you were able to save. mistake, I said weakly. I was not trying to be defensive or argue my perspective. I'd been pretending for so long, lying to myself as much as anyone else. No longer. To Zara, of all people, I would be honest. I wanted to erase it, make it right. 
pretend it didn't happen. But I just made everything worse. The Inquisitor was right. I'm a coward. And then, Zara did something I hadn't expected. She reached over and placed her hand on my head. The gesture nearly had me melt into tears on the spot. The forgiveness you seek. Maybe it's time to give it to yourself. I think... I think that's what Nyx would have wanted. I took her hand in mine. She smiled warmly at me. And just like that, the weight that had been embedded in my chest began to lift. Not all at once. It would take time to erode the shame, the guilt, the loss. But for the first time in my scattered memory, I felt I could breathe a little easier. Thank you, Zara. Zara nodded. Just do me one favor? Anything. She tilted her head upwards. Keep bringing her apples. I frowned. Are... are you sure? I thought after all this, you'd never want to see me again. I don't. Zara laughed. But she will. You're her papa's friend. And hers. The thought filled me with warmth. It wasn't until she said it that I realized how badly I wanted to keep her in my life. I squeezed Zara's hand tighter. I give you my word. Good. Zara took her hand back and laid her head back down. Now if you don't mind, I need some rest. It's a long way to Ghost Haven, or so I hear. What will you do when you get there? What else? Find a place to live? Find work? Live life. She opened one eye at me. What about you? I didn't know how to answer that. There was still so much left undone. Roth and Azan Ra were still a threat. Quinn and the Miraculous Four were likely rotting in Songwake's dungeons. The Ebon Mist was gone. And then there was the matter of my father. The Inquisitor's final words played in my head, like some witch's curse. Where light dies, and days are dire. Where the gentle folk stalk and the groom prepares his vows. What did it mean? Was the groom a reference to Winvarian? If the pierced man was to be believed, the masked god's plot to doom all mortal kind was only just beginning. So many dangers. So many new horizons. But those were for another day. Rest, I told Zara. I'm going to rest until I can't rest anymore. I'll figure it out from there. 
And so, we both closed our eyes and got started. Good wife and children hail Blessed are they who hear them speak Laughter, love, and tales to share These holy scripts I do study May all who seek immortal life Hear now my song, my own story Meriwether sang her ballad from atop the lagoon's mast. The crew stood in reverent silence on deck, floating away from the ship into the twilight of the evening, were dozens of small, floating pyres set ablaze. Pyres to represent the lives lost in the battle with the Inquisitor's ship, the lagoon's crew, including Nick's. They'd waited for Zara and myself to recover before performing the ceremony. Captain Swift had asked us to write letters to the departed to include on the pyres. Zara and Leona wrote one for Nix, as did I. A simple letter with only two words. Never again. When it was done, the crew shared a drink. In memory of the departed, flagons of ale were passed around. Night came, and the waters were calm. Sorrow turned to reminiscing, which in turn became drunken shanties and revelry. While the crew drank and danced their feelings away, I was summoned to the captain's quarters. Sharna Swift met me inside, along with Fitz, Obsidian, and Merriweather. They gathered around the captain's desk, upon which a large vellum map was spread. On it was a detailed rendering of the Sea of Last Breaths. Vondaire, said Captain Swift. Glad to see you're back on your feet. Barely. You wanted to see me? Yes. The captain opened a tattered, leather-bound book. You mentioned this Inquisitor told you a riddle about where your father is. I nodded. Yes. I can't make heads or tails of it. Where the light dies, where days are dire, where the gentlefolk stalk, and the groom prepares his vows. Captain Swift flipped through the pages. Stopping at one, she turned the book around and set it in front of me. It was an expeditious account of an isle on the far edges of the sea. Ronta. A dense jungle isle, virtually untouched by any race. It laid well beyond the path of Eowu. A vague sea border thought to represent the limits of civilization. The text was handwritten, tiny and hastily scrawled. I was, however able to make out one phrase. And we dareth not venture into the woods, for there stalk the gentlefolk. 
certainly seems to fit the bill, I murmured. But what in the pit would my father be doing on Ranta? Only he would know, said Obsidian. I imagine changing one's reality would cause one to do all manner of things. If it is so uninhabitable, mused Fitz, who the devil are these gentlefolk they speak of? I suppose there's only one way to find out, I concluded. You're not seriously thinking of going there? Merriweather asked. Now? In your current state? I leaned over, staring at the map and tapping my fingers. If my father's alive, I have to try and find him. But I do have business to attend to first, on the mainland. You mean your friend Quinn, Sharna said. And the Miraculous Four. I nodded. I got them into the mess they're in. I need to get them out of it. And you want us to help you, said Merriweather, reading my mind. Fitz snorted. Save the fall? No thanks. Load of show-offs if you ask me. You literally wear golden shirts into battle, Fitz. Obsidian chimed. Fashion is different. I'm making a statement. Is that statement, I'm a show-off? How would you like to be turned into a rug, gentlemen? Sharna warned. She smiled at me. As you can see, not much has changed with us. Why mess with perfection? I smiled back. So, how about it? A daring rescue, for old time's sake? Sharna exchanged glances with her crew. She curled her fingers on the edges of the desk. Well, we certainly have no love for Queen Songwake. And our reputation with the Kiktay is scorched anyway. But we're not an armada, Von Der. We barely made it out alive after rescuing you. And that was against one ship. And not to be callous, Merriweather added. But we'd have a lot to lose and very little to gain. Of course, I said, trailing off. In hindsight, I realized it was selfish to ask. They had their crew to look after, and they'd done more than enough already. In that case, drop me off mainland? We'll find the nearest port, soon as we're finished in Ghost Haven, the captain nodded. Shouldn't be but a few days. Already a few days too many, I thought. Quinn and the four could be dead already, for all I knew. But I was in no position to bargain. Thank you, Captain. And thank all of you. For everything. I took my leave. As my hand touched the door, the Captain stopped me. Oh, Von Der, she said. Before I forget... She opened a drawer in her desk and rummaged around. A moment later, she pulled out a green, leather-bound journal. It was wrapped neatly in hempen string. 
She crossed over and handed it to me. This belonged to Nix. While he was with us, he struggled with his memories. Things came into his mind that he didn't understand. I suggested he keep a journal. Later, he said if anything happened to him, we should hold on to it for his loved ones. I'll make sure Zara gets it. Actually, I have a feeling you'll want to take a look, too. Sharna patted my hand as she pressed the journal into my grasp. I wasn't sure what she meant by that, but she spoke with such confidence I didn't want to protest. I simply said, All right. And with that, I quit the captain's quarters. I stepped out into the cool night air above deck. The revels were still going on, though many were turning in for the night. Others were reluctantly returning to their duties. I found a somewhat isolated spot near the bow of the ship. An oil lantern hung above my head, just bright enough to read by. Propping up against the railing of the ship, I untied the string binding the journal. I opened it to the first page. Immediately, I saw why Sharna encouraged me to take a look. The first entry read, Row Day, the 12th of Featherfall, 1052 post-sundering. More flashes, more people I don't recognize, and yet I feel so close to them. A woman with red hair, a little girl with brown eyes, and a man, about my age, with brown hair and a goatee. The woman and the girl make me feel warm inside, like a welcoming hearth fire at an inn. The man, though, he makes me feel strange, as though he did something to me once, something terrible. And yet, I can't help but worry about him. I suspect that he's hurting, perhaps because of what he did. Maybe he's trying to fix it. Aye, that's the tricky thing about life, ain't it? You blunder, and then you have to keep going. Dogs like mate. Well, wherever you are, Mr. Brown Hair and Goatee, Wherever I am to you, I hope that you find peace. This life's too short, too strange, too wonderful to be stuck in the past. Sooner or later, we all have to face the horizon. I closed the journal. Grief clutched my heart. I gripped the railing tightly thanking Nix's ghost again and again. My lungs heaved, and I wiped the tears off my face. I read the rest of the journal, following my friend on his journey to discover himself. By the time I was done, amber light shone in the distance. Shutting the book, 
I took a deep breath of fresh sea air. I watched the sun rise, ready to face the horizon. Echoes of X Season is written, produced, and performed by Nick Walker. Sound effects courtesy of GarageBand, Freesound.org, and Sword Coast Soundscapes on YouTube. Link in the description. For questions or comments, email us at echoesofxcaesar at gmail.com.